Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're the Polter Gals. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Debbie. And we're the, the Polter Gals. This is all you, man. You gotta introduce it. No, I don't even have it on my iPad. Bro. So this is the House of Death in New York, New York. And uh, yeah, this is a Debbie thing. Yeah, Debbie-centric episode. Allison was like, Debbie, this is all you. And I was like, rude, but okay. Like, mm. You're still here. I'm making her do Amityville for this weekend, our live show, I'm October 22nd. Doing Amity. We're join supposed us. To, we're supposed to join. You're supposed to help research <clears throat> too. Okay. Well, I did all the research for this episode by myself, so that's fun. Um, and it has crime, and it has mystery, and it has love, and it has romance. So all the things I love. Allison, are you happy? No. Okay. Well, again, <laughs> um, we're doing Death House. It is located in New York, New York. Uh, is located at 14 West, West 10th Street. I said West, West, with like a. Th- you okay? No. Allison's had a bad week. Not really. I just have a whole lot of stuff I I'm in a mood, need so. to do. Allison is just overwhelmed. And then we have our live show Saturday, um, which I think this episode will actually come out after the live show. Yep. Wait, wait. Um, that's okay though. Um, so <laughs> keep an eye out for next week's live podcast episode. It's gonna be fun. Um, we already spoiled it on what we're doing. So this one will actually come out this week or this coming week. Oh yeah, great. Um, so anyway, let's get let's get into doing the damn thing. Um, so the death house, um, itself is actually a super beautiful house. It's a revivalist Greek brownstone and one of New York's most prominent and beautiful neighborhoods. Um, it was built in 1856 on West 10th street in Greenwich village, also known as of course, the house of death. Um, it has at one time or another housed many of the city's bright, beautiful, um, you know, all of the up and coming affluent people. Um, and we'll get into who is in now haunting this house a little later. Um, so of course, including the wife of the founder of the Metropolitan Underground Railroad and the Broadway Underground Railroad, um, Mr. James Borman Johnson, um, and Johnson was responsible for founding a reading room, um, or like the library that the famed 10th Street Studio, a collective of studios and galleries, um, and annual funding for resident artists. Unique only to you, New York City, at the time. So just imagine this beautiful house. It's like red brick, all on the street. Rich people waving from the tops of the windows with their hankies out the door, right? Um, Is that what happens? Yes. And then after, after Mr. James Foreman Johnson died, his wealthy widow moved in 
um, move their daughters into the house of death in the 1880s. And that's where our story begins to pick up. Why does everything, <clears throat> like, super scary happen in the 1800s? I don't know. So the first... Like, rec- <laughs> nothing good happens... Nothing good happened in the 1800s. Let's just put that out there. Like, but what I'm saying, like, nothing <laughs> good as far as, like, hauntings and stuff really <laughs> happened in the 1900s. I mean, it's just, you know, whatever. Or in the 2000s. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> you, uh, a lot has happened. <laughs> it's been bad. <laughs> the 2010s... 2020s not looking too good i Um, mean i guess early 1900s was okay as far as spooky but Mm. i mean you had the flu which is basically exactly what we're living through now which Mm -hmm. is yeah there's like so much terrible things that happened and then you had a few wars in the 1900s yeah you know that'll do it those were really bad just a few few. those were i could think of at least two that involved at least two at least two that were global and two (laughs) i mean i could think of one that was specific to a country but at least two that were worldwide well this story um and the first recorded incident to this house happened in 1897 so that's where our story picks up are you ready? I guess. So the first <laughs> recorded incident of bad luck was in 1897. So the celebrity, Fred H. Andrew, and the new owner and occupier of 14th West 10th Street um, had a moment of bad luck. During his residency, as described in the New York Times, as of August 9th, 1897, Andrew had a moment of reckless bicycle riding. In quotation marks, um, that caused him to actually hit a boy around eight years old, um, and that boy then suffered a broken leg, and Andrew was arrested. So this is just beginning. So that doesn't make sense. He was First recklessly. Bicycling. How do you ha- how do you recklessly bicycle? <laughs> um, like what I'm imagining is like one of those like with like the big wheel. Like in the front, and then it's like I'm so high up. Oh no, little boy. No. Also, how do you break somebody else's leg? Like it would be understandable if he (laughs) He broke broke his his own leg, leg, but the fact that he broke somebody else's leg while he was on (laughs) On the the bike. He was reckless bicycle riding. What can I say? That doesn't make sense. But this is just like dipping our toe into the pond of this house. So I I wanted to include it in here. Um, But the most famous tenant of the house is Mark Twain. I'm not going to lie. I really haven't read any books of Mark Twain. A what? I know of him. Uncultured swine. I know of him. Like, I know who Mark Twain. I literally read them in high school. I did not. Did you just, like, fake it? I didn't read any of those. Were you in AP English? Yeah. Okay, well, that's why. I'm sorry. I'm smart. Us normal people that take regular English do not read any of that. I'm a thought with thoughts. (laughs) No, here's the thing. We did not Allison do it in theater. No we did and not no read thoughts. it in English. Wow. You, like, here's, I did not care. Well, you better care I about I did him. not give two Fs. Well, when it he's came. A, he's the star of our I, show I today. gave all A's and B's mm-hmm. with the occasional C when it came to school. Ew. But. I never had a C. Actual school. Forget about I it. I did have a C in college, but that's my husband's I sh- fault. I showed up. And then. Did what I had to do and then got out. Wild. That's that's I baffling. Didn't care, to me. I didn't care about school. Wow. 
Well, anyway, so Twain, whose real name is Samuel Clemens, was a resident at the death house only three years after this cyclist had started the chain of bad luck. Um, so Mark Twain only lived in the house for a little over 12 months, so about a year ish um and at the time he was actually battling bankruptcy um and was turning out some of his rushed um but most classic works um and he was also fighting depression and that's why this episode is brought to you by better help no it's not stop lying do we wish yes we wish yes one day maybe um so twain of course was noted as an actual ghost skeptic um but he actually wrote a lot of a clear and plain paranormal experience that he had at this house so remember um the previous owner had died his uh, widower moved in with their daughters and then in about another hundred years so this was in the early 1800s in the 1890s um that cyclist guy took over and then broke that kid's leg and then got arrested (laughs) and then mark twain moved in only three years after that um so one evening he actually witnessed a large piece of wood kindling move in the air all by itself thinking the wood was being moved by a rat um, that had some use for the wood um, a new piece of furniture perhaps um, he actually tried to shoot at this floating piece of wood with his gun because yeah that's what normal people do they're like oh there must be a rat or something definitely moving this kindling and like this little spark through the air oh yeah uh huh okay i'm gonna shoot it (laughs) Um, so he shoot, he shot at it with his gun, um, and then it suddenly fell to the ground, surrounded by a few drops of blood. Now, there was not, he didn't actually see the rat. Like, it was just that piece of wood that was, like, he Gross. thought was on fire. And then, like, he sees it on the ground, surrounded by blood. Gross. Gross, right? <clears throat> So, um, at the time, of course, rats outnumbered people in New York, um, as I think they just still do now, um with pizza rat. Uh, But the house was actually not noted for even having an infestation at the time. And Twain maintained that the blood was that of a rodent and not that of a ghost. And I mean, I don't know if ghosts bleed, but like, that's suspicious. Right? I don't know. Thoughts? I don't have any. I'm just listening. And I'm like, that's... Okay, so Mark Twain, (laughs) again, was a wild guy. Um, And then after Mark Twain, there was Jan Bryant Bartell. Um, So her and her daughter took up residency. Again, she's another famous author. Um, I'll get into more about her in a minute. Just listen. Gosh, Allison, quit trying to jump ahead. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they took up the spacious apartment on the very top floor. So they're now on the top floor. Um, so this was, um, around 1957. So we're flash, we're flash, 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 forwarding, flash forwarding, fast, fast, fast forwarding. That's the word I'm trying to say. Um, so Jan Bryant Bartell was actually a famous actress and psychic, ooh, um, and writer. Um, she moved into our apartment that originally was for the servants. So the servants would be on the top floor, as we talked about, kind of with the East Terrace house. How, like they would be oh. up there and then they'd come down and help all the other people that were living in the house, whatever. But they only had one servant. Well, East they had Tarrant. this is New York. They had I mean, actually they didn't really <laughs> have like slaves, so that's good. Um, but servants. <clears throat> 
So Bartel actually then decided to write about her experiences that she was having in this house. Um, she wrote in a manuscript documenting her psychic experiences with the paranormal while living at 14 West 10th Street. It was titled Spindrift, colon, Spray from a Psychic Sea. Don't know what that means. Spray from a Psychic Sea. That doesn't make sense. Listen, it was back in the 1950s. They yeah. didn't make sense. Back in the 1950s, we still <laughs> spoke the same English that we speak today. <laughs> I mean, I think it was just more of like a, like a, ooh, like a fancy, like fancy, fancy. You know, no, that would be the British, and that happened <laughs> way before the 1950s, my darling. Anyway, so in her book, she vividly recounts what it's like to live in a possessed house, which she believed the house was, in fact, possessed. Um, the book was actually very well received, and it's received many favorable reviews. Um, the affecting prose is very flowery, and it actually paints a picture of a woman at the edges of our world, on the border to yet another world, unseen. Um, again, she was a psychic, so maybe she had some little... <clears throat> so, Bartell writes of experiencing visions and hearing many unexplainable sounds um, around the house. And here's actually a little excerpt from um, Spindrift. Are you ready? Yep. Like a game of ten little Indians, death began to occur in the house. The first to die was a dog, Jan's own beloved Penelope. But within 24 hours, she was to learn of the death of the first human tenant. Whether by heart attacks, suicide, or murder, the deaths came in rapid succession. In terror, the nine little Indians gone, the Bartels, moved far away from the Greenwich Village. But the haunting followed them. Dun, dun, dun. Yikes. Yeah, and then um, after the completion of Spindrift, um, Jan Bartel became the 10th to die. Oh, no. Yes. So Bartel died shortly after completing the manuscript um, in what one might consider mysterious circumstances. So people are already questioning that. Um, she, of course, was also a sufferer of depressive episodes, um, and there were rumors of many suicide attempts that had happened while she was in the house, first in, in and out of the house. Um, her death let credence to the legend of the House of Death and its curse, because she already made a book about it, and then she just ended up dying. So oh, that was pretty no. terrible. Um, however, there are still many skeptics. And then like I put like dot, 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 and like in the notes I put, Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Yikes. Um, and who would be texting me? Don't know. So um, now you're asking, now Debbie, so far these have just been like deaths that might be a little mysterious. But like, where's the crime? This is supposed to be hauntingly true crime. Duh. Well, of course, crime happened in the house of death. And this is the incident that actually gave it the name, the house of death. So welcome to the crime. So on the evening um, of November 2nd, 1987, New York City witnessed a genuine tragedy at the House of Death. Um, this was the murder of Lisa Nossbaum, or Nossbaum, N-U-S-S-B-A-U-M. Um, and it has a twisted plot worthy of Hollywood's horror flicks, um, which actually is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> not the murder. The murder is not cool. It's very sad, actually. So oh, get, no. get ready. Um, so first, I'm going to read like the little 
blurb about like what exactly happened and then we'll get on to it afterwards. <clears throat> so around 6.40 a.m., 911 operators got a pressing phone call from children's author and editor Hedda Nussbaum. Um, again, a lot of very famous actors and wealthy people lived in this house. So it's not like it was just like any other tenant apartment in New York at the time. So this was a very yes. well-known children's author. Remember that. Um, so she said that her six-year-old daughter, Lisa, wasn't breathing. Um, so then an ambulance was sent to a Greenwich resident right away. When the paramedics arrived, they were greeted by a very disturbing scene. They found Lisa lying naked and unresponsive on the kitchen floor. And her brother, Mitchell, was tied tied up in his playpen and soaked, covered in his own urine. Nosbaum herself was covered with bruises and as well as had several broken bones. Investigators at the time also discovered marijuana, cocaine, I don't know what this is, hashish, over 20 crack pipes in the home, and $25,000 in cash in the apartment. Oh my god. Yeah. So again, this was 1987, so that was a, that was a lot of cash <clears throat> to just be like laying around in your apartment. That's still a lot of money like now. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean if I just had $25,000 in my apartment, yeah. Um, that would be crazy. I would not be lying around in my that apartment. I would not be lying around <laughs> in my apartment. Um Unfortunately, paramedics were regrettably unable to revive Lisa Nossenbaum um, on their way to the hospital. Later, her autopsy, autopsy, <laughs> autopsy um, actually revealed that the cause of her death was repeated blunt force trauma to her skull. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Hayden Nossenbaum and lawyer Joel Steinberg who was Lisa's father, again, a well-known lawyer at the time, um, were both arrested and subsequently charged with first-degree murder. Yikes. Yeah. It was charged that after a cocaine binge, Joel Steinberg, because everybody in the 80s, especially lawyers, did cocaine, um, abused both Lisa and his wife. Um, that was my brother. <laughs> Fun. <clears throat> Hedda Nossenbaum, again, I feel like I'm pronouncing it different every time, um, actually avoided a charge in exchange for her testimony against Joel. Um, and then a jury, <laughs> coincidentally, as a lawyer, um, found him guilty of manslaughter in the second degree and sentenced him to a term in jail. However, he was released in 2004. Upon his release in 2004, Joel Steinberg left the law behind and took construction jobs. So, um, <laughs> just like the Amityville Horror House um, that we're going to be talking about this weekend, the House of Death um, has become the resident of a real-life monster. Yikes. So it'll be fun. Um, so that is the murder of Lisa Hassbaum. Yikes. So... Very sad. Um, and then again, after all the other wild stuff that was going on in the house, kind of makes you think, like, what happened? Was this, you know how we talk about, like, did this cause the hauntings? Was there already a, something in there? Because um, we have records all the way up dating back to the early 1800s that something was in this house. And it was not good. Not nope. good at all. Um, so um, I guess it's time for a commercial break. Yep. Commercial break. 
Welcome to One Star Rewind, a new podcast about those dreaded one-star reviews that every business owner hates to receive, but yet every customer loves to read. During this podcast, we will peel back that one-star review to better understand how it happened, when it happened, and what the business owner is doing after receiving that one-star review. This podcast will be about love, hate, and laughter. On One Star Rewind, we will meet with real business owners who will tell their stories and how they do rely on reviews for their business. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or download us at roguemedianetwork.com. Please subscribe, but only rate and review for not a one-star review. Join us each time for a new review and a new story. This week's commercial break is, why have we not done a commercial break, Debbie? Because we have missed the last few weeks. I know. How dare us? Because we're doing uh, doing our, our things by ourselves, so we just keep forgetting. How you gotta remember. Us. See, I broke it up in very clear sections. So I have history, true crime, the crime, hauntings. How dare us. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Yep. Frozen, heroes, gonna tell you about Frozen, Frozen, heroes, gonna tell you about. Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Mike. And we have a fantastic new podcast to tell you about. Bros, foes, and heroes. It's the two of us looking into the world of comics, breaking down some characters that you may have never heard of. And some that are just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so Zach comes up with a character each time, and uh, I go into it just completely blind. I don't know who this person is or what their abilities are or anything. And, and basically, I guess we kind of go over their origin story and just some of the ridiculous stuff that maybe, especially Golden Age stuff. Oh, Golden yeah. Age stuff is always the best, and we will make sure to highlight all of the shenanigans and just absolute weirdness yeah. of everything yeah, that's right so subscribe today and uh, follow us on instagram at bros bros heroes and if you don't i know where you live not really but please subscribe <laughs> bros and bros and heroes gonna tell you about bros and bros and heroes gonna tell you about Hi, this is Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers, and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music, and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun. Wine, wine and vinyl. vinyl. <laughs> so check us out on RogueMediaNetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. And welcome back. Um, I hope you guys listened to some good commercials and found out some stuff. Um, it's Girl, time. Boy, you know they just listened to us sit here and banter about how we didn't <laughs> actually do a commercial. Yeah, we keep forgetting to do commercial breaks. So if anytime you guys get like a commercial and you're like, hmm, that was pretty sudden, it's because we forgot to do one. Um, <laughs> or if you watch it on YouTube, you just get a, oops, we forgot. Oops, we forgot. <laughs> Here's a break. Um, but anyway, it's time, it's time to get in the hauntings, Allison. Are you ready to get spooked? Yep. So, since being constructed in the 1850s, near the start of the Civil War, about 22 people have actually died in the home, um, which is why, again, this is the house of death. See, how come all the good stuff happens in the 1800s? No, nothing good happens in the 1800s. All the good stuff that gets you the good spookies. Well, it's pre-1800s that makes it spooky. <laughs> no. <laughs> Civil war, blood, bloodshed, our Again, own people. Wars. Listen, man. Um, oh, wait. We had a few of those in the 1900s, didn't we? <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> um, the New York Post actually reported that some of the spirits have allegedly never left this building. So, out of the 22 people who have died here, there are many a ghost. So, um, although Twain, starting off with Mark Twain, because, of course, he's the most notable. Um, again, many other people are notable. But um, Twain did not have many pleasant memories of this house. He can actually s- still be seen roaming the stairwell of the house of death. Um, subsequent occupants have actually seen his visage. Visage? Visage? How do you pronounce that? Debbie, we both know, and <laughs> I'm sure everybody at this point that has ever listened to this show knows to English is not my strong suit, despite the fact well, it's because she's never read a book as language. <laughs> I even have a book right here, which you technically have two books. Okay, okay, I trust what you. What do you mean? I, trust I don't you. read books. You did books. read a book for Lizzie Borden. Okay. Exactly. Well, so I semi know how to read. <laughs> she semi knows how to read. Not big words, though. Um, but anyway, so they can still see him <laughs> trudging up and down the stairs and um, commonly considered the most haunted section of the home. So the staircase. Um, he may also be responsible for disembodied marching sounds that have been heard everywhere in the vacant parts of the house. So he was just known to kind of like pace back and forth, especially when he was thinking. Remember, he was like super depressed and like bankrupt at the time and like trying to crank out these like terrible books, but like were actually good. So like, I don't know. Is Mark Twain still haunting the house? Mm. Maybe. Well, one notable Twain encounter was reported in the late 1930s. Um, So, again, this was before the murder. So, by 1937, the house on West 10th Street had been converted into a co-op building made of 10 spacious condo apartments. Um, One of the shortly after the building transformation... um, 
a newly resident mother and her daughter actually bumped into Mark Twain's ghost while he was perched on the window seat. He then nonchalantly approached the pair saying, my name is Clemens and I has a problem here I gotta settle. Like they literally saw a full apparition ghost sitting in the stairwell and he said, my name is Clemens and I has a problem here I gotta settle. What was his problem? I don't know. (laughs) What be the problem, dude? Tell me. Well, he did not tell them, and he disappeared literally moments later. He just disappeared into thin air. So they're like, oh, that wasn't actually a dude. Oh, okay, that's fine. (laughs) Um, And again, remember, um, Mark Twain's real name is Samuel Clemens. So, hmm, if the ghost says, my name is Clemens... (laughs) Um, and you did not know. So what would you think? Hmm. Um, so that's pretty fun. Um, I feel like I got a blast. I got a blast. Um, what problem he had he needed so badly to settle, he did not share, but it was likely a financial one because, again, he was bankrupt. Um, it's sad money can keep one from resting happily in peace. It's also a mystery why Mark Twain, who died in Danbury, Connecticut, not at the New York house, still appears so often here. Yikes. Maybe because he was so tortured while he was here. Ooh. Maybe that's why he still remains. Um, so that's interesting. Um, now moving on to Bartell. Um, again, the cycle. Bartell. Bartell. Oh. Bartle. Good. Bartle. Change that one, one letter with the letter after, and you got something else. What? You got the court tail. <laughs> hey, <laughs> baby. <laughs> anyway, um, Bartel reported almost immediately that there was, in quotation marks, a monstrous moving shadow that would often follow her around this house. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> Can I just say? What? I wouldn't be surprised if I get a call from my dad about the whole change to be with this letter <laughs> after it. <laughs> Allison, we're trying to stay on track here. And oh, wait, you want me to stay on track? Oh, yes. You know I'm the reason why we go <laughs> off or off the rails here. You know I'm. You're the problem I'm child. So, I'm solely responsible for it. It's fine. She and, and it was, it's like your first step to to solving your problem is admitting you have a problem. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I want to solve the problem. Oh. Maybe I want to keep the problem. The oh, problem. Okay, there you go. Um, well, back to the monstrous moving shadow that's following this poor woman around oh, her right, house. Right. Yeah, let's um, talk about that. So that's fun. Um, she actually one time wrote that she had seen a ghostly figure of a man standing in the hall. Um, and remember, Bartel moved in after Twain. So maybe it was Twain that she just saw standing in the hall. Um, bravely, she actually reached out and tried to touch whatever she was seeing. She felt something, but... Nothing like she'd ever felt before. She described it as, again, in quotation marks, a substance without substance, chilly, damp, diaphanous, a marsh mist, or a cloud, or of ether. Of ether. Ether? Of ether. I could feel my fingers freeze at the tips. They were numb, and yet they tingled. In the split second between contact and recoil, the scent came. Fragile and languorous and sweet, unbearably, coyingly sweet. That's what she wrote in her book. Yikes. How do you feel? How does those descriptions make you feel? 
What are your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, Allison? Sounds like a ghost. Oh, <laughs> does it? Yeah. Um, that's why I put it in the haunting section. Sounds like you, you just got yourself <laughs> a ghost because ghosts are known to, you know, feel cold, mm-hmm. ha- look like dark shadows, mm-hmm. you know, Check. make make your body feel cold and go numb. Check. So sounds like she just got herself a normal ghost on her hands. There we go. Yeah. And Quite um, literally. At the tip on of her, her finger. On the tip of her finger, her freezing fingertips. Wow. Um, so this <laughs> unusual scent was not the only odd and bitter scent the Bartell family reported smelling during their time in the house of death. So there was food that was, first of all, not purchased by them and already rotting as if it had been sitting around for days would just suddenly appear on their kitchen table. So food would show up. That they didn't buy for days had been rotting, but it had just showed up. Now, I wouldn't mind the free food showing up on my (laughs) table. Yeah. But the rotting part, now we got a problem, man. Like, if you want to listen, Ghosty, if you want to come bring free free food on the table, just make sure everybody can eat it, man. Come on. Yeah. It's not being wasteful. Um, so I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just some weird rotting food would show up. Um, their many small animals um, would also often become aggressive for no reason, as if disturbed by invisible eating enemies in the building. So like, she had, like, little little animals. Her little, you know, I imagine her, like, this, like, rich socialite with, like, a little bag dog. And her little bag dog would be like, yap, 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 there's a monster in that corner. And again, this is why we need to trust the pets. Trust the pets. Allison doesn't have any pets, so I don't Actually, trust her. Actually, I do have a pet. Thank you. It's not at your house. That's not my problem. Well, yeah, it is because I mean, it's not it your of, pet. It technically is my pet. Mm. Um, If you looked at the paperwork... Oh. It's mine by default because it's actually legally my husband's, and because I'm married to my husband, therefore that dog's <laughs> so also it's, mine. It's your adoptive child. It's yeah, your, it's your stepchild. The only reason why marriage. we, the only reason why we don't have it at our house is because well, we have to fix our fence, and our dog is very well known of jumping hey, fences. You saw our dog so. time up in the backyard. Yeah, no. Why not? Do you have any trees in your backyard? We do. But fun fact, the state of Texas changed the laws that if you have a big dog, they have to be on a 10-foot leash. And I'm just not about that. I don't <laughs> listen. If my dog is going to be roaming around, it mm-hmm. might as well be freely roaming around in my backyard. Bro, just get like a 50-footer. That's what we got. No. He he's going to be like a regular leash. He's going to be freely roaming. So we got to fix our fence cuz listen. Fence too. I'm a, if I'm going to have a do- my doggy there, he's going to be a bougie dog. He's going to have no leash. <laughs> He's gonna be able to pee and poop wherever he pleases <laughs> and within the yard. Uh huh. And then yeah. And then guess what? I'm gonna train him to come inside so that way when it gets nice and cold, oh, he has a snuggle. nice warm house. Oh well, yeah. we better hurry up on that fence because uh, fixing. I need a bougie dog, and he's a big, <laughs> gentle German Shepherd Husky mix. Oh well, back to the paranormal. <laughs> um, so, so trust your doggies. Trust your dogs. Trust your dogs. Dogs sense things that we can never sense. Um, which is why I love having them. Um, also, I feel like way safer having dogs in the house. You know? Says the one that literally got dogs by default. Listen, man, you're supposed don't to worry be dog it. sitting. Don't listen. <laughs> and then you got it's a whole it's a long story. And then you just get I got have a dogs. whole podcast episode about these dogs. <laughs> just know I have two dogs, not by choice, <laughs> by accident. <laughs> um, as most th- good things happen, you know, by accident. 
Anyway, um, Bartel was a true believer and took the pro- proactive step of employing a paranormal expert. Um, so they actually came and investigated what was causing these terrifying realities for these poor, terrified tenants. You want to know what they found? Ghosties. The investigator confirmed that the couple had what they had believed from the start. The investigator proclaimed that there was an upward of over 22 spirits at the house of death. Hmm. Crazy mm. how that number 22. aligned with another and number. If you guys don't know that, but 22 is actually my lucky number. So that's kind of like, ooh, it gives me little goosey bumps. Um, they said besides Mark Twain, um, he mentioned a woman in white. Gross. Get out of here. A young girl and a gray cat. Sally? Well, what's funny about the the little girl is... Her um, name's actually Sally. Well, it could be Sally. No. Um, but Lisa... So remember, this was actually um, being taken place around like the 1950s. So this was before Lisa had been murdered. So there might have been another little girl that had died in the house. Um, oh no! So again, maybe it was like one of those like weird, weird happenstance things. Um, but yeah, and then also a gray cat. I want a little gray cat ghost. That's cute. Um, and then after Lisa's horrible murder, the happenings of the house of death were spreading to the neighboring houses on the street as well. Uh, and then in the apartment complex next door, residents started to notice flickering lights and several residents actually reported a ghostly female figure in a long gown wandering a corridor. So this isn't just their house now. This is affecting their neighboring the apartments. It's yeah. the neighborhood. It's the neighbor. The oh. neighborhood's going. What do they say? What's like other than I was gonna say the neighborhood's going to shit, but <laughs> isn't there like another it's saying? A, it's a ghosthood. It's a ghosthood. Ooh, it's welcome ghosthood. to the welcome to the ghosthood. It's the ghosthood. Welcome to the ghosthood. Ooh, I like that. Um, but anyway, so the their next door neighbors were saying that they were seeing this woman and other things like that, and then a resident photographer had appeared being seen. Um, Excuse me. A resident photographer had apparently been seen, um, had seen this woman, the long gown, floating through doors and apparently had been doing this for over 20 years. So this photographer guy was like, oh, I thought that was normal. This had just been going on for 20 years. (laughs) That's fun. You don't just live with the ghost on the day to day. Oh, man. Uh, Oh, I thought this was just normal for everybody. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, in the main house, the stairwell continues to be the nexus of ghost activity in the building. Um, The dark and wide antique stairs are where many of the ghosts still make their appearances to this day. Yikes. Stairs are a vortex. What can we say? I mean, you either got the stairway to heaven or you got the hell's bells. So, you know. That was a highway to hell. Stairway to heaven. I mean, you also got a high- <laughs> you also got a highway to hell too. But yeah, uh, there you go. Whatever. But anyway, so yeah, that's all for but the house hell's of bells, death. man. Hell's bells. Yeah. Ringling, ling, ling, ling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, what did you think of today's episode, Allison? Oh, Allison. Are you ready for this weekend's live show? We're getting pumped. Well, it's not gonna be this weekend. Weekend. Uh, what well, already the, happened? You mean the, the past, future, the future, past. We're doing back to the future things right here. That doesn't make sense. It's okay. But anyway, all right. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to go follow us at The Polter Gals. Um, if this is your first ever episode, thank you for listening all the way through. Um, 
we as you can tell, it. as you can tell, we're crazy. Um, yeah, Allison's the worst, but like in a good way. Hi. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so again, go follow us. We're at the underscore Polter Gals, and if you know anybody that wants to come on our show to be a Polter Pal reach out yeah also don't forget to comment like subscribe follow us on rogue media network and everywhere else that you get your podcasts okay bye Bye. you've been listening to the polter gals a rogue media network podcast this has been a rogue media podcast podcast